Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, welcome to the American Liberties Saturday afternoon call. Uh, today, uh, I wanted to bring out a point. I listened to... Uh, Angela Stark show uh, on the recording. I wish I wish I had gone on there. He, they, uh, she had Tom Smith on there, which Tom Smith, as you know, is a uh, a gentleman out of Utah that can handle the uh, collection due process hearing in tax court, and he does it using the Government Accountability Office, and and he uses it well, and he's. Um, He's he's uh, has a pattern that he follows, and it and he's quite successful at it. And although a lot of people say, "Well, I don't want to go to tax court because I'm the plaintiff and I'm giving up jurisdiction," well, you know, basically, if you don't, it, it's just going to create more problems for you. And a lot of the problems is people. Uh, we're using a bad process to try to handle their situation. Going in there, I'm not a taxpayer. Well, you got to prove it. You know, you got to prove this and you got to prove that. If you're making the claim, then you're you're the one. Is it's uh, it's got to prove it. Where he takes a position on, they're make the IRS is making a claim. So prove it. And when they give these documents and the IRS uh, computer-generated documents and everything, uh, well, he just says uh, he he attacks that uh, using the government as the source of information because the government says those documents are not to be trustworthy, they're, they're not reliable, and they have a lot of discrepancies. And if you look at the the GAO uh, reports, it it clearly states it. I mean, you know, it's beyond a shadow of doubt the IRS got some serious issues. And with that being said, you know, through the, uh, the rule of evidence, you have a right to question every bit of that, every bit of those documents, every element, you know, who... Who put the information in? Did he have first-hand knowledge? Who who monitors the computer, the security, the whole nine yards? He covers it well. Well, when he was explaining this on the Angela call, he used me as as a uh, as a reference. He says, you know, the, here is, and he read a letter that we responded to the IRS with. And I don't take exception to that. I mean, that's, after all, I'm using it, and I want other people to benefit just as well as me. I mean, this is why we're having these calls. But uh, somebody has said something about uh, something, and, and Tom Smith said, well, 
you know, something about Dave Maryland. Well, I thought Chappie was protected because he did Dave Maryland's criminal complaint. And and Tom responded, said, well, that's criminal minus civil. And a lot of people get confused, not the difference between criminal and civil, but people think, and David has said a million times, I mean, I mean, he's over, he's overdone it. Okay, it's a well done uh, statement that that he says he does not guarantee success. They're gonna, they're gonna, you know, just avoid the law. And what we do with the criminal complaint is prevent you from getting indicted. At least we help to get you from getting indicted. And if you do it properly and follow the instructions, you most likely, and I say most likely, will not get indicted. Now, one, as you know, we've said it on the call, we don't hide anything. He got indicted because when he got his criminal complaint in Joiner, that's what he did. He got it. And he told, the, and he was waiting on them to have them, have him call into the, uh, uh, grand jury, you know, the, the, he, to testify. Instead, he was supposed to mail it to the grand jury, mailed it to the prosecutor and to the IRS and everybody and their mother who is deemed, you know, they should be getting it. But he didn't do that. Okay, so the IRS, so the grand jury had their day and so forth. And then when they have already decided. Now they're going to call him in, and and even a couple of jurors kind of rolled their eyes like, oh, God, do we need to hear this? Because they had more than enough time uh, for the DOJ to pump them up, like this guy's going to bring this argument, that argument, blah, 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 boom, blah, bam, and sure enough, he, he gets indicted. The... If you follow the procedures and you do it right, like I said, most likely you won't get indicted. Now, does that mean they won't come after you civilly? I was a blessed man, okay? They didn't come after me from 2007 all the way to 2014. And in 2014, now I start to get letters. But it's not about criminal. It's about civil. And civil, you got so many more options now. I mean, if you got asset protection like like I offer, you're you're covered. Uh, you know, they may get a judgment against you, but they're not going to get anything because you don't own anything. You're you you're you're in control of all the assets. It's not your trust, but you are a trustee of a trust, and they can't get to that that property, those assets. Because you don't own them. That's rule number one, okay? Two, you find somebody like Tom Smith or or Donald Grom or or uh, or somebody like that that knows how to handle the civil the civil side, the due uh the due process collection uh uh collection due process hearings and tax court it's pretty much a done deal on that side of the coin, but but you gotta follow the the civil rules of, of procedure because the civil rules of uh, the rules of civil procedure are much like you know we talk about you know the way we act in commerce you know silence is 
is emitting and and all that. Well, the I'm finding out that a lot of the rules that you find in in the rules of civil procedure is the ordinary course of business. And when you document and you follow everything and you're asking questions and the, and the one is making the claim has the proponent uh you know he he is the one that has to show the evidence or you can't go any further. So that is the difference between criminal and civil. And because, again, civil, they can come after you through the administrative agency and all that, and you got due process rights, which they ignore. But that's okay if you know how to handle it. If you don't, you're in a, you're, you're, you're going to lose. And on the criminal side, you're setting yourself up when you join the criminal complaint, it's sent in to Congress. You got it on the public record of your good faith belief that here is the interpretation of the Internal Revenue Code. This is how it's being misapplied, and and nobody will respond to it. And lastly, before I turn it over to Dave, now we have a case in in South Dakota. And the same thing. I mean, it's. I mean, to me, it's kind of hilarious. It's, it's sad and it's sickening, but it's kind of hilarious because Dave has articulated so well. You know, just a couple issues. I mean, it, it ain't mind-boggling here. You know, I'm not named in the statutes. I'm only named in the regulations. And you deprive me of Section 83. It's that simple. Do they respond to that? Absolutely not. They go off in the different tangents about, oh, you know, these are tired old arguments. He's saying he's not subject to the tax. No, he didn't say that. You know? I mean, none of what they responded to has any credibility to the argument whatsoever. It's like you in a restaurant ordering a ham, ham, hamburger, and they bring you a bowl of soup. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, it's it's so ridiculous. So, Dave, do you have anything to add to that? No, nope, call's over. Okay, thank you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't listen to the uh, Angela Stark show with Tom Smith on it, um, but to hear you say that. She actually asked, well, isn't Chris protected? He's part of the criminal complaint of Dave Merlins. Um, when I listened to that call, when she had Pete Hendrickson on it, I could tell by the questions people were asking in the chat window there that the Patriot Movement, the, whatever you want to call them, they have kept everybody so ignorant of the law that uh, the entire movement has to be viewed as an impediment. They are jurisprudentially retarded. And uh, for somebody that uh, has access to all of my work, like Angela Stark, she's had me on her show a couple times, and... Uh, um, knows of my work, probably has plenty of it, um, to presume that 
anything I've done is directed at civil. Uh, she missed the point all this time. Uh, or she hasn't been listening or something. And uh, it shows that uh, the movement doesn't even understand really the fundamental differences between uh, civil and criminal. Criminal, they're after your liberty. There are different burdens they have to meet. There's an entirely different set of qualifications that have to be met, criteria that have to be in place for them to get your liberty than are the uh, criteria for getting your property. When they're after your property, there's no jury. That's the big one. That's the biggest one. There's no jury there to keep the government in check. And so the law doesn't matter. Tom Smith is making a difference. That's great. But he's using a government report that says the way they keep records is not infallible. It's defective, and you can't count on their documents. That is not an analysis of tax law. It's totally different. It has nothing to do with what I do. And the only reason what I do has made a difference is because it's been directed at criminal proceedings or the likelihood that criminal proceedings might result from what the government's doing. And the fact that there's a jury, uh, either a grand jury or a trial jury, is what the government knows stands in its way, possibly, when they seek a conviction. And if you can take the jury away from them in advance, they're not stupid. They know that. They're very intelligent people, but they are thieves to the core. And when a jury does not stand in their way, they get your money. And here you are. Chris went before a grand jury uh, January 2007. Never heard from him again. But they're still after his money. Whatever money he owns. And uh, I don't do asset protection. That's civil. I do criminal. I try to keep them from getting your liberty. And Chris and I have had some amazing success. But you make no guarantees because uh, that instance that Chris just told you about, they went to the grand jury and they lied. They said, this guy believes he has a duty. That's what they say every time they say, this person's guilty of willful failure to file or willful tax evasion. They are telling the grand jury that you believe you have a duty. And they lied. They know he doesn't believe he has a duty, but because they can trick the grand jury and exploit the grand jury's stupidity that says, oh, the government's always right. We have faith in our government. They don't know jack shit about government. And they're just Joe Lunchbucket out there earning a paycheck and paying what the government has conned them into believing our taxes. So the government will lie its ass off to any jury. That's where I do my work. And, uh, well, isn't Chris protected because he's part of Dave's criminal complaint? No, he's not. I'll be the first one to say that. But 
for her to say that after having listened to me and having access to my work, which is the only analysis of the tax code that's ever been done, when you compare it to everybody else, nobody else is in comparison. Especially Pete Hendrickson. And uh, so anyway, it shows a lack of familiarity with my work. The callers that were uh, typing into the text window, I could tell they, they're years behind. They're so far behind in their knowledge curve. It's a stagnant, uh, flatline knowledge curve. Their knowledge is not growing, period. It does not grow. It's a movement that does not move, which means it's just a protest group. Uh, they may as well be Black Lives Matter. So uh, for as much respect as they get from the government, uh, but the difference between Tom Smith and I, Tom Smith is using the government's own words about their records, and it has nothing to do with tax law analysis. And to the point where a judge will tolerate the argument, he's successful. But what happens when the government slams the door on what Tom Smith is teaching? says, well, we don't care. We're going to go with the government on this one. Then you're forced to appeal. You go to the appellate court uh, from U.S. tax court, and what if they go, well, we're going to go with tax court on this. Now you've got to go to the Supreme Court. Can the Supreme Court be bothered with a case that's simply built on the government's opinion of its own record-keeping? That's a, that's a feather in the wind compared to alleging, I've been deprived of this particular statute. The government can't refute it and refuses to go on record with its own interpretation of this statute. That's a totally different argument way more solid and especially in front of a jury so um, while Tom Smith great work especially if you can get people off of uh, the determination that the IRS has and everybody needs that kind of help and it's done responsibly fantastic but back to the difference between criminal and civil I work in an entirely different set of criteria to prevent indictments. That's uh, where I've chosen to specialize because there's a jury at the end. And that willfulness, you're not guilty of willfulness if you don't believe you have a duty. If you simply object to the law, you know, stick your tax code where the sun doesn't shine, servant breath, uh, I'm not paying those. It's unconstitutional. Well, you're willful. But if you say, excuse me, but the law operates in a particular way and it doesn't reach the value of my labor. The law operates in a particular way and no place is a citizen of the United States implicated as somebody that owes one of these taxes. And they realized this, and so they wrote this regulation that says citizens of the U.S. owe the tax. You can't do that with a regulation. The 16th Amendment says Congress can lay and collect this tax. It has to be a statute. There, checkmate. Two arguments. I'm only named in a regulation. 
and I'm not in Social Security chapters, definitely, and I'm only named in a regulation, so this tax code doesn't apply to me. But even if it did, all property is a cost, and that includes labor. The term any means everything, period. All the case law says so, four Supreme Court cases, a whole bunch of appellate cases in 2013, 14, and 15. So there's no escaping these two arguments. And in the South Dakota case, all of this was, and a couple other claims were submitted for review. I'm asking the court to affirm that the regulation under Section 1 of the tax code that says U.S. citizens owe this tax when the statute doesn't name a citizen at all, I'm asking the court to affirm that the, sec- the regulation deviates from statute. And I'm asking the court to affirm that the regulation under 6201A deviates from statute. Statute limits their assessment authority to taxes which have not been duly paid by stamp, foreign insurers, and casinos. And the regulation doesn't even use the term stamp. It says we can assess all these taxes. See how very technical those challenges are? However, uh, do you see how much authority they derived through screwing with statutes through regulation? We have a tax code that doesn't apply to citizens of the U.S. Write me a regulation that says it does. Okay. We don't have any assessment authority except for foreign insurers and casinos. What do we do, boss? Or write me a regulation. If they can't assess you, even if you owe the tax, it's pretty much voluntary, isn't it? Because if you don't pay it, they can't assess it. There goes voluntary compliance. The issues I'm using are huge. The biggest ones. Does the tax code apply to Americans? No, except through this regulation. Do they... Uh, does the tax code impose a tax on the value of labor? No. All property is cost. Is compliance voluntary? Yes, Till they wrote this regulation. The three biggest questions about the tax code that have ever come out and inspired research uh, by hordes of people, professionals and otherwise, And they're answered with just these three arguments. These arguments were just thrust at the government in this civil suit. And the government is silent. They've had these issues for over 20 years. Now, you should get a clear picture as to why I don't have one minute for the anti-tax people. I don't have one minute for them. They've always been a waste of time. If they'd have told me in 1990 when I met them uh, for the first time that, hey, we're a bunch of losers, and if you get in trouble, we're going to run away. But until then, we'll take your money to buy what we think we know so that you can go to prison. That's the movement. If they'd have told me in 1990, we're a pack of losers, I would have taken care of my own IRS controversy and moved on. But all this while, hey, buy my stuff. Look what I found. What's well, dog crap? You have it. You aren't out of the oven yet. You're still a puppy. You don't know what you're talking about. But they got curriculums. 
and they got a prescription, file this tax return. And if you go to prison, so what? I'll get out of prison before you, and I'm going to go back pushing my book. I'm Pete Hendrickson. And you see, really, how easy it is after you learn these arguments. In a civil suit, I went up against the government. And a bunch of people now have the right to say, you know, I sued the government for proof that I'm named in more than a regulation. Proof that labor is not a cost. Proof that they have assessment authority uh, without that regulation that they wrote. And they can't debate me. That's a person who is less likely to be indicted. They'll still lean and levy you because they aren't going to face a jury. Every public servant is as corrupt as the day is long. And that goes double for judges. Corruption squared. And then some. And so you have to have a jury. And in instances where there is going to be a jury, you have these issues and the criteria for criminal proceedings in your favor to show I don't believe I have a duty at all. In fact, I went to this length of suing the government under the Administrative Procedures Act. They don't deny a word of it. They're stealing. And that's why they're after me. So you, the members of the jury, you're looking at somebody who doesn't believe for one minute that they have a duty. In fact, look at this statement in the complaint in Congress that I joined, making it my complaint. Under this issue, I'm only named in a regulation that says these are the petitioner's conclusions. And until they're dispelled with logical refutation and responsible interpretation, whatever, I shall continue to act upon them. So until the government can prove otherwise, I'm going to continue to act upon these conclusions. And here's the chance for the government to do it. They've had the issues for more than 20 years and they failed again. That's the hilarious part Chris was alluding to. Yeah, biggest, baddest legal department in the world. Ooh, we're nationwide. We're the DOJ. Well, tell me, did you deprive me of Section 83? Everything's frivolous, Your Honor. You remember. All these cases have always said so, and they drag up all these bad cases argued by people that didn't know what they're talking about against a statute. Section 83, here's a public servant that looks right at the law that says all property is a cost, and they try to subvert it by lying to the court. This has already been decided, Your Honor. No, it hasn't. If it had been, you'd be citing the Talmadge case from 1995, the only case that articulated why Section 83 does not operate the way I claim. And they said you didn't buy your labor before you sold it, so everything's a profit. And the question remains, where's your authority to exclude labor because I didn't buy it? This regulation defines the amount paid as the value of any money or property paid. Any means all of it. Checkmate. They can't, they can't deny that they're depriving of Section 83 by interpreting 1.83-3G to exclude labor when, in fact, it uses the term any property. Any means all of it. Period. All the courts say so. The Supreme Court four times and all the appellate courts since. 
So where's your authority to exclude labor on the grounds that I didn't pay for my labor first? It's a policy. They simply and arbitrarily exclude labor when the regulation says any money or property. They can't do that. Any is all-inclusive. Checkmate. So they can't even talk about the argument and they can't cite the cases where Section 83 was dealt with because in my supplemental memorandum, August of last year, I covered all of the cases where since 2006 this has been uh, explored to show that their decisions on these issues are ludicrous and they don't even cite those cases when they say everything's frivolous, Your Honor, in South Dakota. They don't even cite those cases. What's wrong with those cases? Exactly what I pointed out was wrong in my supplemental memorandum of August of last year. That's what. So it is hilarious. Public servants hell-bent on raping the country, stealing from you till your children are malnourished. They stand for it. It's what they are to their core. They are thieves. And when uh, you're out there and they say you owe taxes, you've got to follow the law, and here's the Taxpayer's Bill of Rights, we have to communicate the requirements of the law to the public, they fail because you're bringing up the laws that they screwed with, with regulation or other contrivance to get around the limits on their authority. They know it, you know it, the judge knows it, the judge sees it, and the judge stands for it. So the government files a motion to dismiss, and the plaintiffs file an opposition to the motion to dismiss, and the government files a reply to the opposition, and now we're waiting for the court to decide whether or not the lawsuit will be dismissed. I think it's 70 to 80% chance that the lawsuit will be dismissed. And uh, there's a chance that the judge might just let it go forward because there's arguments beside this that are in that lawsuit, such as we want the court to affirm that when we have only statutory challenges, we're not sovereign citizens or tax protesters, whatever they call it. We're a whistleblower. I'm a whistleblower when I make allegations that the government is breaking the law and I shouldn't be stigmatized and put in a FEMA camp as a dissident. Uh, let's see. Void for vagueness. Why are you enforcing a tax code you refuse to even interpret? Um, let's see. Another really good one is, uh, oh, I want the court to tell the government. I want a court order that says, for the purposes of willful tax evasion and willful failure to file, I don't believe I have a duty because they obviously won't take a hint. Here's this complaint, 80 members of Congress, January of 06. They can't deny a word of it, and yet they're going to call me willful to a grand jury or a trial jury. I want the court to tell them the people that have been plaintiffs to this action don't believe they have a duty and therefore they are not willful if in the future they fail to file or fail to pay. So there's great reasons for the court to let the lawsuit go forward. 
but great reasons, that would reduce it to a 50-50 chance that the lawsuit will be made, uh, be dismissed. But I think there's still a 70% to 80% chance of it being dismissed because of the judge's corruption. See how that erodes the 50% possibilities? No, it'll probably be dismissed because the judge is as corrupt as the day is long. But there are issues that are way off the charts, uh, the charts being arguing tax law. There are issues that don't argue tax law. They're way off to the side. Am I willful? No, I'm not. And I want the court to tell the government that so I don't have to live in fear of being indicted. So that's the difference between civil and criminal. You see where civil... And now one thing, the government did not argue that the IRS is not subject to the Administrative Procedures Act. So I'm in court under the right statutes. 5 U.S.C. 701 through 706. So um, it's a fantastic opportunity. Uh, I, I knew I could do this. I've done it before. And I know the government can't deny a word of it because it's a competent analysis of the tax code. And yet you have uh, Waltner, W-A-L-T-N-E-R, Waltner versus Commissioner, where tax court did its own review of cracking the code, Pete Hendrickson. That's funny. Uh, I'm going to go get that case for you right now at scholar.google.com. Scholar.google.com, and I click on case law, federal courts, and I type in Waltner, W-A-L-T-N-E-R, Kraken, for cracking the code. And bingo, there I come up with Waltner versus Commissioner. Here it comes, everybody. Copy. And paste. There you go. There's the link to Waltner. Oh, for some reason it won't let me uh, paste into the chat. What's the deal here? Hang on. I'm going to take off the... uh, HTTP full colon from the beginning. The connection to the server has been lost. Click Uh-oh. OK to re. Eat turkey. Can everybody hear me? I'm opening it up for a minute. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay, I hear you. There we go. Okay, there's the link. To Waltner versus Commissioner, tax courts review. They seldom do book reviews, believe it. And they reviewed crack in the code. So the only responsible analysis of the tax code is my curriculum called Code Breaker. And if you learn just two or three arguments, you know at the basis of the authority the IRS claims to have is a statutory constraint that they can't overcome. Just proved it again. And I told everybody from the beginning in this lawsuit, it's going to go nowhere. Uh, However, everybody will be allowed to say after this, I even sued the government for proof the tax code applied to me and uh, they can't debate me on these issues. Say that to the grand jury and you say, why are we even here? 
I've already proven. There's no duty in there for citizens of the United States, people that only sell their labor. No duty whatsoever. None. It's not there. Well, how do you know? Well, I sued them, and they can't put it on the record. That's pretty much proof that the biggest, baddest legal department in the world is lying. They're here to steal. They're here to kidnap you and falsely imprison you because there is no duty imposed. None. We've all been stolen from for decades, our parents, our grandparents. It's a racketeering scheme, plain and simple, plain and simple. That's what you're allowed to do. It's truthful to say after you've become part of my process. And I'm offering it at uh, the lowest rate that I can justify. Uh, Nobody else has anything like it which would otherwise equate to permission to jack it up to the price everybody else is asking for their curriculums, and I refuse to do that. I'm not in this to make money. I'm in this to pay my bills, and I can barely pay my bills with the prices I offer. So uh, when you get something from me, believe me, it's uh, not only the best, but it's offered at a rate intended to make it accessible. Uh, I've given away 27 years to America, which makes me, you compare 27 years, uh, the 27-year anniversary was April 15, 2015. 27 years I've given to the cause of keeping government within the constraints of law. And when you compare that 27 years to everybody else out there that's got a product to sell relating to taxes, uh, if I were part of the movement, which I am not, I would be one of the grandfathers. I don't know if Bill Benson is still alive. Uh, Erwin Schiff is expected to die in prison. Uh, He's up in his 80s. So I'm I'm one of the, uh, the oldest fixtures relating to uh, keeping the government in check regarding income taxation. So none of this is new, and here I've proven again. I can go right into court, pull the government's pants down over three or four issues that strip the IRS of all of its authority, and nobody denies a word of it. Question and answer, Chris. Okay, is uh, his star eight? If you want to come on the phone, um, okay. Here's a question here from Florida. Go ahead, Florida. Florida. You just uh, am I okay? You're okay. Can you hear me? Uh, uh, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, I think I had it on mute. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of hard to talk when you do that. Uh, David, you just mentioned that Irwin Ship is probably going to die in jail. Isn't aren't we uh, a bit responsible to help him? You know, I mean, does he know about this? Because he shouldn't be there. I mean. My feeling is if you don't do bodily injury or property damage, you don't belong in jail anyway. But when they're they're taking people and throwing them in jail over these issues that just because they didn't know the argument, that's kind of 
screwy too. Oh, no question. It's uh, it's exactly corrupt. You can't get a better definition of corrupt than what you see yeah. them doing. And right. um, Peter Peter Schiff, Erwin Schiff's son, has petitioned for a um, a uh, oh gosh, it's a um, I've got an article article here. I'm going to paste you this article. Uh, when it opens up, it'll open up on an ad page and look at the upper right and wait for it to say continue to the site. And you can go to the site. There's an article, uh, Compassionate Release. He's petitioned the court for a compassionate release of an 85-year-old in prison, and I think that was denied. So uh, he's 85, and that means he's going to die in prison. Oh my so, God! Yeah, that's so, that is so wrong. That is so wrong, especially. I mean, you know, they're playing games with us, and 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 it's at our peril if we don't know the game. That's just right. not and, right. Uh, in probably, geez, nineteen ninety-three or nineteen, probably nineteen ninety-four, nineteen ninety-five. Uh, Irwin Schiff came up here to Washington, Bellevue, Washington, and I called his hotel room, and uh, and we compared notes for several hours in his hotel room, and I gave him my book, and he gave me his book, uh, signed, and so he knows about me, and uh, knew about me a long, long time ago, and I'm not hard to reach. I'm on the web, so uh, if somebody wants my help, they can come and ask me for it, but uh, I've got enough of my own problems rather than to chase down people that are in trouble. Right, right. So he did know about Section 83 and chose to go his way to defend himself? I gave him Codebreaker, the Section 83 equation, yes. Oh, my God. And and he and what does his book say? What, did, what was his uh, defense? In several hours of discussion, he impressed me as somebody who had studied three statutes. Hmm. His argument was uh, directed at assessment authority, but not based on stamp taxation, like it says in uh, 6201. Uh, He had a more elaborate uh, explanation, um, and uh, I can't really recite the uh, argument. It's been years and years since I even right. uh, looked yeah. at it. But it, it concerned three uh, three statutes in the middle of the tax code in administra- uh, procedures and administration, assessment authority, requirement to file tax returns, and so forth. And uh, he didn't have an analysis of Chapter 1 of the tax code at all, and I'm the only one really with uh, an analysis of it. Pete Henderson gets into it, but in his book, Cracking the Code, he runs past uh, many gold mines that are right there in Chapter 1. In fact, uh, give me a second and I'll type in the address where you can get my review of Cracking the Code. Got another question? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, it, it's very sad. It's just very sad to... To, to know that he's going to die in prison and he didn't do anything wrong. 
And it's a matter of being able to prove it in a way that convinces the government that they don't want to talk about it, and he couldn't do that. And uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, it's And why his son isn't... Why his son doesn't come at him, you know, with that argument, saying, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, well, he his, might not own, a, but I know, and... Is, yeah, yeah, hang on. His son is a an economist. He's not a lawyer. He's not a tax analyst. And so he's he's utterly unequipped to help his dad, other than to file a compassionate release request. So... Uh, it's just the way it goes. And, and um, also, you can't bring up a new argument after you've been sentenced, you know. There's not much that can be done. All all he can do is appeal on the merits of the case, which... Uh, unless, yeah, there's an exception to that, unless you're arguing actual innocence. And to argue actual innocence, you have to go back and look at the nature of the tax they said he owed, the uh, reasons that he had gross income above or equal to the exemption amount, and so he was required to file a tax return, and then you have to go to the nature of the tax they say he owed, which would be compensation for services. It wasn't capital gains. And so did he have compensation for services? Yes. What were the services he offered? He did this analysis of the tax code and offers a book, he will educate you. That's the service he was providing. And so they deprived him of tax code section 83. And what's worse, he was only named in a regulation if he's the citizen they say he is. And so I could take his case all the way back to the beginning and show that he was innocent. But then it's a matter of getting a corrupt judge to admit the government's always been stealing and overturn his conviction. It never happened in a million years. So he's out of luck. That's why I work on preventing the indictment, because once they get the indictment, you're up against the corruption of the judge. And he can overpower the jury, which is ignorant. And so I try to preempt the indictment. Okay. Yeah, and unfortunately, they have a, a personal incentive to indict. All right. Do you have any other questions? No, thank you. Thank you okay, very much. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, we got uh, Washington State. How are you doing there? Uh, hello. Hello there, Don. How are you? Oh, enjoying the sun on the September 12th. We survived September 11th, and and uh, hopefully with Dave, everybody can survive the IRS because uh, uh, he's got the keys and it seems to be working because I'm getting more of these 45-day letters back from people that I'm helping for Dave uh, 45 days means that the IRS needs 45 more days to answer questions of law. They can't seem to answer after being in business for how many years? They still don't, can't answer the questions of law. We got them stumped. I mean, it's just uh, black and white, simple things, code sections. Uh, uh, and, um, and so we and make it every, very, every attempt to let them uh, respond and, and point out the, where I'm wrong in the law, I'm just asking them to, uh, am I interpreting the law wrong? And if I, and if not, uh, if you can't refute it, then I'm standing on where I see I have to stand on this law. So it's pretty simple. And we're working to help the other people. And, and it's, Dave's got the secret to it. And everybody should be on this secret call, you might say. Here. So I would encourage everybody to share this and, and, uh, and learn it, get it. 
Okay. So it's like Thanks. it's like I mentioned earlier on the call. Don is one of the guys that, when they come after you civilly, you know, yeah. through the collection due process or tax court, he has uh, he uses Dave Maryland's uh, position oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. interpretation to uh, to stop him. So uh, it's, it's not all about the GAO office. It's also about uh, the interpretation of the tax code. So, you know, there there's always, you know, if people keep fighting, there's always we can look and win. Yeah, and Dave's the cornerstone of my work, and it's a strong cornerstone. I don't see any cracks in it at all. So it looks like it's, <laughs> it's, it's being used to crack the Well, I won't say crack the code. <laughs> it's being used to uh, to stop the government from uh, their willful uh, actions that are in defiance of their own code. It's being used to prove that they're stealing. Yeah, well, that's it. You got it. A lot of mine. Okay. Well, thank you, Don. And we I'm got right. we got one here, Oink and Sam. Go ahead there. Oink, Uncle Sam. Oink and Sam, how you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. Um, basically, you know, Chris, we talked about this uh, quite a few times, but the the work that Dave has started on being able to go into the uh, court systems, you know, with the I can't remember exactly what you were calling it, was um, the Citizens Action Committees. Or something. Oh, the the Citizens o- over Oversight. Overview. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, those those were kind of the areas. You know, I'm not sure what it is in every place else, but in Colorado, the ruling in the Colorado State Constitution is that um, if the judges, elected officers, don't have an oath of office that's signed, witnessed, recorded, notarized, and on file in the county of which they are reside, that their office is considered vacant. And my understanding was from the judges that had been searched, there hadn't been one that had that oath of office signed and available, um, you know, for viewing. So everything they've adjudicated is their office is vacant. Yeah, that's in a perfect world. And in Colorado, you know, Kurt Riggin lives in Colorado. Yeah. And he's a bona fide, he's a bona fide expert. And uh, he's told me about a bunch of experiences in Colorado courts and those public servants are already at war with the citizens. Colorado is so profoundly corrupt, I have to deem myself lucky to live in Washington. Colorado is that bad. And so it's all, you know, you ask yourself first when you hear something like this, is it a perfect world? And you notice how many arguments go down in flames because it's not a perfect world. And uh, you got to rely on bigger arguments than that. Yeah, but are you really talking about a perfect world or just, I mean, if, if the law is the law, and, and how, how do we get, you have to get beyond, you have, you have to get beyond all of this and get to the point where you actually are doing something to solve the problem at the root cause. I mean, I agree with you. And that's, that's what I mean. That, that, that's what I mean about perfect world is that, They'll only work in a perfect world. The government doesn't care, and so you're required to either suck on that decision from the court 
or open fire. It's where they have you. They don't care. They know it. They know they don't have to. They have the authority. The word is tyrant, period. So that's where you're stuck. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any other? No, I'm done. Okay. But, you know, I like to say it's up to the people to get together to do something about it. Like the ones that did in uh, Colorado, in Colorado Springs, I think it was, where the plumbers yeah. Uh, evic- yeah, did, did a recall on the people that were elected. Well, yeah. it, it it takes people to do it. One person can ignite, but it it takes many to uh, to get it going. No, that's for sure. Is there any way to reach Kurt Reagan in Colorado? Uh, you uh, yeah, have his yeah. phone number, don't you, Bruce? I'm sorry? You have his phone number. I do not have his phone number, no. Oh. You have to email Chris. I'll get a hold of you. Okay, that would be great. I'd like to do that because uh, I listened to that whole three-hour interview you had on the Internet. It was absolutely phenomenal. I sent it out to everybody here. I had three people call me back that said they couldn't hang, they, they couldn't stop listening to it. How about I, mean, I, think, that? I think we can have a base here. I think we can... I agree with you that Colorado's corrupt, you know. There's, but there's, you know, it's 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 not solvable. Just go go blow your brains out. I mean, if it's not solvable, the thing is solvable. You just got to get the people um, to come and educate them. Yeah, and I don't think it is solvable. Uh, I think you have to kill these people. Oh, so, so hopefully, hopefully, uh, it wouldn't get to that anyway, point. Uh, I just I just pasted a link into the chat window there. It's uh, out of the Revised Code of Washington, 42.20.030, and everybody called this impersonation of a public servant. And so I didn't look at it for a long time. Then I revisited it, and I said, this is not impersonation of a public servant. This is the abolishment of de facto status. It makes de facto status a gross misdemeanor. It criminalizes acting in a de facto status. <clears throat> For the people on the call, I'll go ahead and read it to you. I pasted it into the window. You want to write down RCW 42.20.030. Intrusion into and refusal to surrender public office. Every person who shall falsely personate or represent any public officer or who shall willfully intrude himself or herself into a public office to which he or she has not been duly elected or appointed or who shall willfully exercise any of the functions or perform any of the duties of such officer without having duly qualified, therefore, as required by law, or who, having been an executive or administrative officer, shall willfully exercise any of the functions of his or her office after his or her right has ceased uh, to do so after uh, his right has ceased, or wrongfully refuse to surrender the official seal or books or any papers uh, appertaining to such office upon the demand of his or her lawful successor, shall be guilty of a gross misdemeanor. So if you willfully exercise any of the functions or perform any of the duties of such officer without having duly qualified, therefore, as required by law. 
That's yeah. one of the one of the statements in there. If you don't have an oath of office and an oath of office is required and then you lift your pen, it's a gross misdemeanor. Yeah, I'd say cross the so, threshold of the office. Door. Okay. So if an, if an officer does not have an oath, whether it's a, anybody required to have an oath is one of these officers, then it's a gross misdemeanor and you file a criminal complaint. If they did it to get your property, how is that not a conspiracy against your rights? 18 U.S.C. 241, felony, you get the right to arrest them. So I built on that gross misdemeanor to make it a federal felony so I could get the right to arrest them. And uh, Colorado is going to have one of these statutes Colorado has a first and second degree public, uh, what is it called, um, uh, official misconduct. I think they might call it official oppression, first and second degree. So you got a good criminal code there in Colorado, but nobody that cares to enforce it. Um, but uh, listen, listen to me for a minute. Uh, in the course that I have on... Uh, writing and filing a citizen's criminal complaint. And in the, it, it, it's in one or uh, one of these courses, I can't remember which one, the uh, retaliatory, uh, the drive-by litigation course. One of those has a complete Colorado case in it where I wrote criminal complaints till my fingers were raw against a judge that you had there. His name is Barney Iupa. And um, a bunch of officers. So there's several criminal complaints written for Colorado courts in there. And I allege both first and second degree official misconduct against the judge and some others. Uh, and this guy went into court on something like 15 charges. They trumped up a whole bunch of charges against him to make him look like the bad guy and get a guilty plea. And he went to court on all of them, and the only guilty verdict came in on the smallest charge of all of them, which is failure to obey a cop, and uh, got probation, paid the court fine, or deferred sentence. So what happened was uh, he was handicapped. He was going to have a, a knee operation in two weeks, and uh, he steps out of his truck like they asked him to, and they shoot him at 15 feet with a beanbag shotgun, and the manual on the shotgun says that uh, if you use it within 35 feet, it can be lethal, uh, lethal. And they said, well, he wouldn't raise his hands. And so one of the expert witnesses was a emergency room trauma surgeon. And she said these shots were fired from way under 35 feet. Um, and they said, well, he wouldn't raise his hands. Well, where was he shot? Under the arm. How can you shoot him under the arm if he doesn't have his hands up? No, so uh, Kurt, Kurt handled the case inside the courtroom, and I handled the case outside by writing all these criminal complaints the guy could file. And uh, we screwed that case right down to where the only guilty verdict they could get out of 15 charges was the least of all the allegations. So anyway, you get all of these complaints and an affidavit from the witness or from the victim of the prosecution uh, 
to uh, to see everything they did to this guy because he was handicapped. And uh, so Colorado is at war, but if you want an expose on Colorado criminal code pleading, uh, you get that course. Okay. Good. Your stuff is great. Your stuff is great. No question. Okay, thank but, you. But, yeah, there's got to be a way to, to, to get in there, though. There's got to be a way. So, anyway, That's thanks right. For and uh, I, I, saw how I've, I saw how little the law matters in Colorado, and I hear it over and over again from Kurt. Uh, every time I talk to him, there's a new story about how uh, the government's just screwing people. Here's Kurt, has to walk with a cane because a uh, 1993 uh, accident he was in on his uh, his Harley motorcycle. He got rear-ended by a moving van and pushed through the intersection. He has a bunch of internal injuries and walks with a cane after having been a kung fu instructor. And um, he's in the park county colorado jail uh because he offered a cop a donut and uh they said that's felony bribery and so he uh they they let him bail out and he's in the basement in the jail and they said okay you're free to go and he goes i need my cane they said it's upstairs three stories to the top where he could walk out of the building so he goes over to the elevator and the elevator doesn't work. And he says, the elevator doesn't work. And the guy says, there's the stairs. And so he had to crawl up three flights of stairs to get his cane. When was the, What year was this? I don't keep track, okay? I, and, I, actually, uh, I actually knew what, I grew up with the sheriff in Park County. I'd like to know what they were. Whatever. What, this, is just, this is just the jailer. And so uh, it was easily five years ago, maybe six or seven. Anyway, um, uh, he had to take the case all the way to the Supreme Court to prove that it wasn't bribery to offer a cop a donut. Getting back to my point that I wanted to underscore by saying, by telling you that story, you have to kill these people. Colorado servants are already at war with the public. You make a crippled man crawl up three stairs to get his cane, and you think you don't have to kill these people to get your government back? You've got to be a moron. Colorado is lawless. These people would rape a child and argue on billboards that it's legal. Colorado is gone. So you don't have a government in Colorado. You are all captives. Yeah. All right. Well, and, and the 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 homicide would likely be justifiable under your justifiable homicide statute. Check out the law. You shouldn't have to break the law to get your government back in Colorado. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Well, you, okay. You Thank you, bro. Oh, hey, thanks a lot. We'll talk, talk to you guys later. Okay. Okay. We got uh, Donaldson. Okay. Go ahead, Donaldson. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How's it going by you? Not bad. Uh, so, well, I'm feeling pretty like there's no hope, you know, from listening to this stuff. And uh, I definitely have been studying the law. So I, and in my studies, you know, the judges are just the trier of the facts. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, if people, you say they have no oaths, um, and they're not even part of the judicial branch. And when you make them prove it, they will not prove it. Right, so the only way to get them out it would be by 
you know, by force. I mean, I, I totally agree. If you know, from my view of things, and what you, and what, I what you might do is actually uh, learn how to go into superior court with a petition for declaratory judgment and ask the court to declare that uh, you would not be breaking the law, that you'd be within the rights of the justifiable homicide statute if you use deadly force against these people to get them to stop or to leave office. So um, that's true too. Put it all on the record. And hang on, hang on, put, hang on, hang on. Put it all on the record. And after you've filed the lawsuit and served these people and have a proof of service, you serve a copy on all the local newspapers. (laughs) Yeah. And, and get it right out air right out there in public So the newspapers, the TV stations, whatever, they start broadcasting that, yeah, somebody wants to know if it's legal to do away with public servants that are so corrupt they should be out of office. Hey, it's not a bad idea. (laughs) Okay, is there any any other questions, statements, or comments you got, Donaldson? Yes. Um, Okay. Well, because of the dire circumstances, I thought that it's a good time to bring to, you know, my one of my things I'm going to do right now, as far as remedy is concerned, is do a quantum claim on my uh, on my all my government forms, and also like I'm going to get my I haven't I haven't had ID in, in over in about five years, so I, I have not had any type of government ID in over five years, and uh, but I've been compelled to use the name, you know, by by officers, even though it's not I. Re- you know, revoke my signature off the DMV contracts. But I'm thinking I'm going to go back down and, 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 and get another ID. But this time, I'm going to sign it in quantum, and then I'm going to have a notarized quantum claim, off-hot-steeled and authenticated through the um, Secretary of State to have basically made an intent on the record of my uh, knowledge of quantum and my intent to, to contract in a... Under a statutory rule of construction known as Nociter Associates. That's what I'm planning on doing. Well, good. Get back to us and let us know how you do. Yeah. Well, um, in a, uh, I've never used the word quantum. And uh, it comes down to the motor vehicle code has never been written to apply to anybody except those in commerce. And so you're arguing inside a system that they set up to steal your money instead of pointing out that the system doesn't apply to you. So uh, uh, you're really skirting the issue. But secondly, a driver's license is not a contract. Um, a contract, you, you read the definition of contract and you know right away it's an immediate... It's a meeting of the mind. Look at the beep when I walked up. Yes. Okay, wait a minute. We have background noise. Yeah, yeah. I didn't hear that. Sorry about that. No, I didn't hear that. What was that? Can you repeat that? I Sorry know you didn't noise. hear it because you got background I, noise. Can you, okay, can you so control mute that? everybody, would you, Chris? Just mute everybody. Everybody's um, muted. Now, uh, when you say contract, the definition of contract, this is, this is another beef I've got about the Patriot Movement. A contract is a meeting of the minds. You can't be tricked into a contract. There's no such thing as an adhesion contract that you don't know totally about. It's never existed. None of this is contract, period, 
period. End of story. The def- it, it proves nobody in the patriot movement ever even read the definition of contract. Or they wouldn't use the word, oh, you must have used the zip code. You must have right. waived your rights. You must have got a social security number. All of that is make-believe because they've never read the definition of contract. Mm-hmm. Hang on. And so you don't use the word contract. You obviously don't agree, okay? You're using the word contract when it was a trick if it's a contract, and a contract can never be a trick. It's a misnomer. You're operating on a totally false basis okay, based on me, the patriot movement's ignorance. Let me interject. Okay. Uh, the reason why Go I ahead. say that I agree with you is because it's a unilateral con- issue it's not it's not a contract you're right but it it is dmd is not a contract it's something for me it's and those people are there just as witnesses it's not it's not a fucking sorry about my french but it's not a contract that's why i can use quantum on it and it'll be okay whatever you mentioned the word contract you said you're going to uh revoke your contract or something to that effect i revoked i revoked my signature is what i said off of the dmv um, I, maybe I used the word contract, and I could have been in error at that point. But yeah, okay. uh, I, I okay. basically re, what I did was I revocation of signature off of the DMV documents, and they actually confirmed it via mail. Uh, they said that they would totally great. cancel my. Go ahead. Great, and so great. You've you've reset your relationship. Now you go ab initio, and this is you've heard me on. It sounds like you've listened to me before. You've heard me on calls say, go back to your original motor vehicle code, interpret the definitions, and you'll see that it was written originally to only apply to those engaged in commerce on the streets, and it's never been broadened. And it's a mountain of research that has to be done in any state to show that over time the legislature has never expressed an intent to broaden the scope of the motor vehicle code beyond its original intent. That's what is required to argue statutorily in favor of the right to travel. And uh, it's not a job I'd want to take on, but the master of the Washington State Motor Vehicle Code was Kurt Riggin, but I would have to say that Lewis Ewing has eclipsed him. Kurt's been in Colorado for many years now. But uh, Lewis Ewing and I are both creations of Kurt Riggin. Kurt Riggin created both of us. Kurt Riggin. Okay. And Kurt Riggin can teach you things about the Colorado. He doesn't write courses. He's terminally ill. We're only going to have him for another few months. And uh, Let me say this. Uh, he's... I apologize for the interruption. I, I, and your friend Kurt, and I guess he's uh, having some some health issues. So I hope he gets better. And if he, it, you know, God willing, he will. Uh, the the notary process. Um, do you do you recommend that I use that to my advantage if I know how to? What I recommend you use is statutory arguments that the the motor vehicle code has never been broadened beyond its original intent. Go discern its original intent and scope and make a statutory argument. You notarize your documents, but it has nothing to do with the fact that they're notarized. It simply becomes evidence once you have them notarized. That's all. 
A notary right. is not a public official. A notary is Joe Lunchbucket out there that happens to it's like a process server. You can be certified as a process server, but it doesn't put any authority behind your signature whatsoever. But it is a state witness, right? No. It's a guy that says that it's got all the, all he's doing is putting his stamp on hearsay. He doesn't have to he doesn't have to verify everything he said. Everything no, you said, not. you put on paper, and all he does is notarize it so that now it carries the burden of perjury if you're lying. That's all it does. Oh, excellent. That's good. That's good to know. Okay. It has nothing to do, nothing to do with a notary. All it is is attaching perjury to what you said. That's all right. it does. Okay, the reason why I'm, I'm saying I want to use the notary in the first place is because of the, you know, you... If I sign my unilateral agreement with the DMV, right, that state, under with punctuation marks in my name, as a an intent to use a comprehensive language format when I'm under any legal claim for any legal claim. In other words, that's you know, and then I get that like intention notarized, and ultimately, this is also the in evidence that they that the courts would need to prove that I would need to prove that I had an intention of, you know, of contracting with private pe persons in a special uh, English format. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's what I was trying to say. Since I'm, since I'm aware of quantum, I'm trying to utilize it still and help this community, uh, help the people, you know, beat what's happening because I believe that this is possible, but we don't have to do it necessarily the DWMLC way. It can be done. It can be done through other means too, because it is a, it has a basis of contract law. Um, it, it's yeah. it's nothing ahead. I have any familiarity with. So uh, uh, you can try a million things. I like statute first because that's what the Supreme Court says you have to do. But um, I'll let you know you how can it goes. Try whatever you want. Thank you. All right. I'll let you go. I also okay, okay. I will be thinking nice about that D M V and the overbroad and overreach in um research you you were mentioning. So Okay. Okay, very good. Thank you there, Donaldson. And um okay. Um I don't see any other hands raised on the board and I'm not sure if I see any questions. I'm not used to this board here. Um, no, I don't see any questions. Uh, okay, well, it's the top. go ahead. I'm I'm still looking for the Colorado uh, justifiable homicide statute here. Um, uh, I'm positive you've got one, but uh, it's a matter of finding it. Colorado statutes are not online. I just found one. I don't know where the directory is. Um, looks like uh, I'm going to paste this into the chat just for the heck of it. And uh, you can start there and see if you can find a home page for Colorado code. You see where it says CRS in the address. That's Colorado Revised Code. But uh, anyway... It's always good to know uh, your rights to self-defense under your law. So, okay, Chris, wrap it up. Thanks, everybody.
My pleasure. We'll see you again. Okay. Well, today. And uh, Chris will tell you about another uh, exciting opportunity for investment and um, cash protection in the form of OneCoin. And I'll see you later. Yes. Um, I'm glad you brought, brought that up. There's a uh, cryptocurrency is now, uh, it is really in, inviting. I've watched the video, which I'm going to be sending out for those who are on my email list, you'll see it. It explains what cryptocurrency is. And it'll show that Bitcoin, when it first came out, it was 10 cents. And then for a couple of years, it rose up to $35. And then it went up in 2014 or 13, it went up to $1,200. Now imagine if you bought just a thousand uh, gold, uh, not gold, uh, bitcoins at 10 cents each, and then you sold them at $1,200. You would have made a million dollars, okay? And, uh, and you know, we've been waiting on the dinars for many, many years, and you're going to be waiting on for more many, many years, I'm sure. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind if they'll even ever... Um, be revalued now now that uh, what's going on over there in the Middle East. However, with OneCoin, which is a gold-backed uh, cryptocurrency, it is, uh, it's, it's been out for just a little bit over a year or somewhere around a year, and it is a phenomenal, just a phenomenal way of making and, and 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 making some money, you can come in and just buy some uh, one coins and do nothing, or you can come in and when you share it with others, you you will increase your your uh, your amount of one coins. And when you go mining, and we're just about to do a split. So if somebody wanted to, you're pretty much gambling now. If you get in and and sign up today. And the first thing Monday morning, you wire the money, you could get in before the split. Don't know if you will or you won't. I'm not going to guarantee that. But if you do and you, and, you, and, you get, and you get upgraded to the platform you come in at, then you will double your money right then and there. I got a couple people who came in at 12,000 euros. And I got a, a, quite a few people, it already came in at what they call a trader package, which is only 500 euros. But, um, and it's a, uh, it is, it is a phenomenal op opportunity. For those who are waiting on the dinars, I would, I would sell you dinars and get into one coin. Whether you get in before the split or after the split is irrelevant. Because people are getting in. This company is growing phenomenal. Okay, so email me if you want more information. I'm going to be sharing out Dave's link as well as my link and some other people that I got in because I want to help those who are helping me. And that's the way I like to do things. So with that being said, God bless America, and this call is officially over. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.